uh, I would like to introduce you to the very first king, uh, perhaps the very first king that the world knows um, today. And uh, before I do that, uh, let me take an opportunity to pray, um, to offer these words up to the Lord, uh, that he may sanctify it and allow it to grow in your heart. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand here and to speak before your church. I pray that you would use uh, these simple words that I have, Lord God, that uh, would begin a seed and that would grow and, um, into something a lot larger uh, inside the hearts of each one of the people who hear this message. Thank you, Lord. I often go through my experiences in life and I try to summarize them up in little segments. And uh, most recently, the way how I summarized uh, my life uh, is, I think it's pretty clean. And it goes something like this. So when I was in elementary school, I uh, had the opportunity to learn Vietnamese. And then when I went to middle school, I had an opportunity to learn English. And then when I went to high school, I had an opportunity to learn Japanese. And then when I went to uh, sorry, uh, when I went to high school, I learned Latin. And then when I went to college, I learned Japanese. And then uh, today, when I look back at that journey, that course of progressions of going through the various different languages, I understood that I don't understand very much. Um, and this message, this particular message, is about understanding. It's about uh, language and the way uh, that it allows us to uh, understand and then to transform uh, our lives or the lives of those around us. And so um, what does this have to do with a king and why does it have to do with the first king uh, altogether? And that is uh, the point of this message. So let, uh, you know, I, I, I will not bore you with any more details. The person that we're talking about today is Nimrod. Has anybody ever heard of Nimrod, the king? Nimrod? Probably not. Because why? He's probably he's mentioned three times by name in the Bible, three times. And nowhere during that, it, it, the description of Nimrod in the Bible is very brief. Okay? He is essentially the grandson of Ham, who is the son of Noah. So he's a great-grandson of Noah. So Noah is the one who survived the flood, and uh, four generations later, Nimrod came around. Okay, that's all that is ever mentioned about Nimrod. That's it. Um, if you have your Bible, um, you will open it up with me to Genesis chapter 10. We'll just read the very brief description of Nimrod, and from that, we get a sense of what I want to talk about. Okay? So um, if you have your Bible, open with me to uh, Genesis chapter 10. Um, starting from verse 6, allow me to read. Um, this is from the New International Version. And again, let me just make a pause right here. We have a Bible, right? And yet we have many different versions of it. I ha I'm reading from the New International Version. You can be reading from the NASB, the New King James, the King James, the Vietnamese Version. The, uh, the, there, are, there are so many different versions in the English form. There's so many French, Japanese, Latin, you name it. Like there's so many different versions of the Bible, okay? And so this is just the beginning of what I'm trying to say is that how do all these versions, how do all these different various different languages and translation, what does it do to the fundamental message and the, and, and the words? It, it all originated from one form. And then once you start translating them, what does that do to that original message? And that's what, um, that's what, uh, what I would like to, to try to get to. Okay, So I'll start from verse 6. The son of Ham, Cush, Egypt, put Canaan. The son of Cush, 
I, I can't even pronounce some of these names, okay? But essentially, uh, in verse 8, Cush was a father of Nimrod, who became a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay, we'll, we'll pause right there and, uh, let, and let me say this. Have you guys ever watched TV and watched the commercial uh, Captain Obvious? Have you guys ever seen that, Captain Obvious? Captain Obvious say the most obvious thing, I am running and he's running, okay? So Captain Obvious, so this is an example of what Captain Obvious would say. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Obvious, isn't it? <laughs> so if you were to read this over and over, you're like, why did it say that? If he's obviously a mighty hunter before the Lord, does it really have to say, well, as everybody said, he's a mighty be a hunter before the Lord. It's kind of like saying, well, uh, Nehemi is not like Ben, right? Obviously, Nehemi is not Ben. Even though someone would like to call Nehemi Ben, but obviously he's not Ben, right? So Captain Obvious would definitely have an, uh, an obvious moment here. So Nimrod is a mighty hunter before the Lord. Like everybody knows, he's a mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay, and, and this is a part where, okay, nowhere does it say that Nimrod is a king, okay? This is the only instance where we sort of assume that he's a king. Like, he, we project that he's a king. This guy is amazing. If you want to think about it, he is like, he's amazing, okay? Because of this. The first center of his kingdom it doesn't say that he's a king, but it says the first center of his kingdom, obviously that makes him a king, okay? The, the first center of his kingdom were Babylon, Uruk, Akkad, Kamneh, and Sinar. Okay, I want, you to, I want you to focus on that last word, Sinar, okay? That's important because that will continue on to the next discussion. From that land, he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Rehoboth-ir, Kalar, Resen, which is between Nineveh and Kala, which is the great city. It's not a great city, which is the great city, okay? This is one guy. How many kingdoms does he have and how many great cities did he build, okay? So it is attributed to uh, Nimrod that he is actually the first great builder of the world. He actually built so many great centers, Nineveh, right? Which we learn later on um, uh, through, uh, what's his name? Jonah, right? And then Babylon, right? Who we learned that the great king, Nebuchadnezzar, is the king of uh, Babylon. Uh, Assyria, which is now where Syria is. Nineveh is actually in modern day, uh, really near to Mosul in, uh, in Iraq, okay? So the ancient cities that Nimrod built actually still kind of lingers in history up until today. Uh, it is amazing. He is one of the great builders in the world. Nimrod itself, the name Nimrod, okay, this is, again, a lot of these things come back to language. Nimrod actually means not a rebel, but it is a the rebel, okay? Nimrod comes from the word uh, Marad. Marad is a rebellion, causing a rebellion, inciting a rebellion, uh, Marad. You put, if you change the, the first letter to M, uh, from M to N, to, from Marat to Nimrod, it actually means the rebel. He is the rebel. So a lot of historians would look back on his name and say, well, that is practically very well maybe not his name, 
Nimrod may not be his name, but that is what people came to call him because that's what he is known more for, for causing a rebellion, for causing a great rebellion. And then that's where we then ask the question, why does Captain Obvious say what he said? And what did Captain Obvious say? Like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay. If we look through this, we will come to an understanding that this translation got mellow out, it got smoothed out, it got kind of like watered down, because what originally said is that he is a great hunter before God's face, or a more accurate translation would be, he is a great hunter in opposition to God, right? against God. So that is where his name came from. Nimrod, and therefore a lot of whatever he had done, essentially didn't get written down. If you don't know anything about history, this is what history is about. History is being written by the victor, the one who won everything. So it's very one-sided. History books oftentimes are written in a way that favors the side who, who wrote the book. Okay. Um, now this has no bearing on whatever Nimrod had done, but let, let, let us go to there. Why is it called the Great Rebel? Why is he called the rebel? Um, and for that, we need to go to Genesis chapter 11. Very short, few verses, and this is where I would like to take the message and end here. Okay? Uh, chapter 11 says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. The people moved eastward and found a plain in Sinar and settled in it. Right? Sinar. This is where, this is a part of his kingdom, an epicenter of, of Nimrod's kingdom. Sinar. And they said to each other, Come, let us make brick and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone, tar for mortar. Okay, that is very important as well. Let me explain in a minute. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. I want to take a pause right here and let us take a look at this. Traditionally, okay, when they build a huge city, like a pyramid, what do they build out of, it out of? They build it out of huge stone, big, humongous stone. And then they use mortar to stick it all together. An interesting thing here is that they're like, no, we're not going to do stone. We're not going to do it very fast. We're not going to slap something together really quickly. We want to make small bricks. We want to bake them thoroughly, make them very, very strong. And then we're going to use tar instead of mortar. Okay, tar instead of mortar. What do we use tar today for? Does anybody know? What do you, we use tar today for? Street, the road, what else? Which oil? Uh, okay, oil, yeah, I show you, you break it down enough. Yes, you essentially, yes. So roofing, right? Waterproofing, trying to make the outside of the, wa the house to be uh, water uh, impermeable, you take tar and you sort of like slash it um, outside. Interestingly, these guys are four generations away from Noah, right? They love water. No, they don't. They do not love water. They, 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 they know what water did. Four generations later, they still had a huge fear of water. And they wanted to build a tall tower toward the heaven. Why? because they wanted the next flood to come, and they're like, no, I'm not gonna be in that water. I'm gonna be up there somewhere, up in the heaven. And this tower is gonna be coated in tar, so that water ain't gonna come anywhere near me. I wanna survive the next flood, okay? There's something residual in their memory that says, man, if the next time that I sin, I know, I know, and I know that I know that I'm gonna get destroyed. So I know for myself that I'm not gonna stop sinning. So I know somewhere in the back of my mind that water, <laughs> Water is coming. 
right? So, so there's something very interesting about the way how we function as people. Okay, whatever happened to us, we want to make sure that it never happened again, especially if it's something really bad. You get in a car accident and you never want it to get it, you never want it to happen again. I, rem I still remember when I first got into my really big car accident. Afterward, I drive like an old lady. Nothing against old lady at all, but I was driving 50 miles an hour on the freeway. Okay? Because as, as soon as I start driving fast, my hands start getting sweaty, my, my legs start shaking. You can, there's such a, a, a huge amount of fear inside of us that forces us to think about what is going to happen when we break the law. And I think that in the back of these people's mind, what they wanted to do was to be able to say to themselves, when God punished me the next time, he's not going to get me. The next time that he wants to punish me, He's not going to be able to. The great rebel, the great rebel had a great plan in his mind, right? He's, he's saying to the rest of the people, look, I got an awesome idea. You guys are all gonna love me. I'm a great builder. Look at all these cities I've built. I'm gonna tell you what, we're gonna make one city that's gonna be better than anything else I've built. We're gonna make a city that is gonna stand up to the next punishment from God. I guarantee you, if you stand here today as a presidential candidate, and you can tell the rest of America that you're going to be able to build an America that can resist, that will stand and persist after God's next punishment, I bet you, you don't have to show anything else, they will vote you president. Make America great again. Exactly. No, no, no. He, he, that's exactly where I'm going. Because if you notice, if you notice, right? The message out there today is people have a lot of fear, right? How many people are coming into this country and we don't know who they are? They're gonna blow up our town, they're gonna kill off our children, right? Or they're gonna steal our jobs. The central message to it is fear. How do we keep people from feeling helpless, fearful? That is what Nimrod is saying. I'm gonna help you feel secure forever. This will be the epicenter of the world where people will not be scattered anymore. That word scattered, right? What happened to Noah? The flood came, water rise. They drifted for 40 days without knowing where they were going. Scattered. The rest of humanity is wiped out. What Nimrod is promising to the whole world is that I'm going to build you a city that will allow you to remain safe forever. You will ascend into the heaven you'll be safe forever, even from the hands of God. God will not be able to touch you. That's the message that Nimrod is telling us. And that's the kind of city that he wants to build for them. That's what I want to talk about, language. That is why God, I love it whenever it says, God said, right? Because you get, instantly you get this, this tiny little bit of information from what is going on behind, what's going on in there in the, in the mind of God. You get a, a sense like you crawl inside the mind of God and you extract out what he's thinking. And it's amazing. You get a literal translation from God's own mind. Okay? In, uh, in verse 6, it says this. The Lord said, If one people speaking the same language, they begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Allow me to say that again. If one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, they begun to build a city. If they begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God is saying nothing is impossible. 
It's not, nothing is impossible for God. We know that part, okay? He's saying, nothing is impossible to you, to us, to people. Simple, human, flawed. Nothing is impossible to us. This is the part that always fascinated me. And this is my education for the last couple of years. I've had an opportunity to go to Colombia, which speaks Spanish. I've had an opportunity to go to Italy. Surprisingly, they speak Italian. Um, and I had an opportunity to go to Germany, where they speak, surprisingly, German. And France, where they spoke French. And Canada, which they speak French. Unfortunately, they spoke French and not. I was in Montreal, so of course they spoke French. Um, so that's an experience that I would like to tell you a little bit about. Okay, I was there for two weeks, exactly 10 days. And the first six days I was there, I was trying to train this particular person, and his name was David, my name is David. I thought we had something going on, because everything I said, he said yes to. Everything I said, he, he not his head to. So I was like, okay, this is pretty good, this is pretty easy. I'm gonna be able to get out of here pretty quickly. Um, this is gonna be knocked right out of the park. It's gonna be a home run. This is gonna be a piece of cake, okay? Six days into the job, I turned to him and I told him a joke where I, his, I just laughed hysterically. I don't even remember what a joke was. There was a blank look on his face. And in the back of my mind, I was like, this is not good. This is not good at all. This is, this is definitely not good, right? Because why? He spoke French. For the last two weeks, he said yes and nodded his head because he didn't understand anything I was saying, okay? <laughs> so so uh, again, let, let me remind you, I, I have gone to a Spanish-speaking uh, country, and I did well. I went to Italy, and I did well. I went everywhere else, and I did well. Why? Because my expectation is that they do not speak my language. I do not, you know, they do not speak English, so therefore, what do I do? I pull out my iPhone, and I start typing in, and for it to translate, right? There's a, it's amazing, you know, technology. We are able to speak the same language to each other through a device today. Right? In fact, when I was in, um, when I was in, in Bonn, Germany uh, in November last year, I was going around the Museum of an Antiquity over there, and I took my iPhone and I put it over the signs, and it translated. The camera looked at the word and it translated into English, and I was able to read English off of these German signs. Can you imagine that? Nothing is impossible for us when we speak the same language, and it is happening. We are all pretty much on the verge where you are able to speak into my phone and it will speak back into my ear the, the same language that I would understand. Okay, uh, a little a bit of caveat here and there, but uh, pretty much I can understand, okay. But uh, my, my, my long story short is this. When my expectation is that the other person understand what I'm saying and they don't, it is a catastrophe because even today, that site in Canada is non-operational. <laughs> so let, 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 me, let me move back to Nimrod a little bit. Let me, let me come back to Nimrod, the rebel. Nimrod the rebel spoke not a language, but he spoke a sentiment. He understood what goes on inside not only the mind, but the heart of the people. What they're afraid of, what they hope for, what they wish for, what they aspire in them. And I think that that is the fundamental part. It's not language per se. We can read the Bible. All of us read the Bible, right? All of us read a version of the Bible. But all of us drew out of that same passage, that same wording, very different sentiment. Some will read it as condemnation. 
others will read it as hope. A vast majority will read it and say, I don't understand what this is saying. Right, Jaina? <laughs> I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to understand what's going inside your heart. Okay? So, trying. Okay. But, but that's, that's where verse 6 in chapter 11, that's what it's talking about. God's looking down, and he's saying, if this people, us, are able to not just speak the same language, but to have the same hope, have the same aspiration, have the same dream, have the same goal, has a common perspective, have a common understanding of what needs to be done, if all of us, if all of us can see eye to eye on what is important, then there is absolutely nothing in this God-given earth that is impossible for us. And it is true. We see this. We see this in things like, we see things like this and a great many other things. How far have human transpire through the age because of collaboration, because of common understanding, because of what we are able to achieve when we work together. A lot of bads, yes, but also a lot of good. When we can speak the same common language, I still remember very, very clearly um, when I was in college, my professor looked at me and I had just came to him with a journal article in German, okay? It, it was 1946, it was written in German during that period of time. Germ Germany had a great uh, expansion of knowledge. They had a lot of scientists, very smart people. They, 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 they started discovering a lot of things. So I came to him with a paper in German and I said, I, I, I don't know, I, I can't read this. This is in German. I expected it to be English. Like English, isn't English the universal language of the, the universe, not just the world? And he's like, no, the epicenter of learning wasn't always the US. At one point it was actually in Germany. A lot of early 19th century papers published, great journals are all in German. And he read it for me, right there. And so what I, what I came to understand in my college day wasn't, that, wasn't so much that I have a, an opportunity to learn, but how important language is. And today, when I look back at the story of Nimrod, I get that sense. If we all not just speak the same language, we all speak English, right? But how often do you say to me, I don't understand what you're saying? Very often, right? What you're trying to say to me is that I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what experiences you have that brought you are to where you are today. But if we as a people can have a common objective, we, if we see things with the same perspective and we all can, can come together, then absolutely nothing is impossible for us. Even when Nimrod is able to capture the sentiment of the people and he's telling them, I can give you hope. I can give you security, even the mighty God of the universe that had destroyed your great grandfather. I can save you from that guy. If Nimrod can get the people together because of that promise, and he was able to get them to build brick by brick, small brick by brick, and with tar, take them completely away from what they're used to, out of their comfort zone, to be able to build something so monumental, then we know, we know that we today, if we speak the same language, and we do, and if we have the same common goal, and we have the same hopes, dreams and aspiration, we can do anything because everything is possible to us. And that's not me saying it. That's not what Abraham, Moses said. That's what God himself said. If this people speaking the same language are able to start this, then nothing impossible 
for them. And that's what I want to encourage you, is that if we come together as a church, we do speak the same language, but let us have the same hopes, let us have the same dream, let us have the same aspiration. And whatever we plan, whatever it may be, it will not only be possible, but it will be done. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to stand here before your church. Lord God, you yourself said that there is nothing impossible to us, Lord God. When all our hopes, all our dreams, all of our aspirations are placed within the lens of your instruction. I pray that you would allow us, Lord God, to walk away, to move away, to parcel away the things that distract us. To focus really intensely on the things that really will move us forward. Lord God, I pray that you would encourage us, draw us forward, give us the dream and the vision that will bring us together. Allow us to build something great. Allow us to build something that the whole world will be able to see. Hopes, dreams, security for our future, Lord. In you, I pray that you would allow this to happen, Lord God, among us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And I pray in the name of Jesus.